Dear listeners, are you tired of the endless cycle of fad diets and extreme measures? It's time to wake up to a better weight loss solution with Robody. As someone who's been through the ups and downs of weight loss, I know firsthand the challenge of trying to find what will stick. That's why if I qualified for Robody today, I'd jump at the chance for a scientifically backed program that supports long-term success. With Robody, you'll gain access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market, paired with personalized lifestyle changes. Over 200,000 people have already chosen Row to help them lose weight. Say goodbye to the roller coaster of weight loss dreams and hello to sustainable, real results with Robody. Go to row.co slash snoozecast. Sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash snoozecast. Hodgson Burnett, published in 1911. If you'd like to listen to this story's episodes in order, go to snoozecast.com slash series. In the last episode, the children spend an absolutely glorious spring day together in the secret garden Mary and Dickon learn that Colin always uses a wheelchair simply because he feels so tired and weak, but not because he necessarily cannot walk. Let's get cozy. Close your eyes. your body into the softness of your bed. Now, take a few deep breaths. The children were very quiet for a little while. The sun was dropping lower. It was that hour when everything stills itself. And they really had had a busy and exciting afternoon. Colin looked as if he were resting luxuriously. 
Even the creatures had ceased moving about and had drawn together and were resting near them. Soot had perched on a low branch and drawn up one leg and dropped the gray film drowsily over his eyes. Mary privately thought he looked as if he might snore in a minute. In the midst of this stillness, it was rather startling when Colin half lifted his head and exclaimed in a loud, suddenly alarmed whisper, Who is that man? Dickon and Mary scrambled to their feet. Man? They both cried in low, quick voices. Colin pointed to the high wall. Look, he whispered excitedly. Just look. Mary and Dickon wheeled about and looked. There was Ben Weatherstaff's indignant face glaring at them over the wall from the top of a ladder. He actually shook his fist at Mary. If I wasn't a bachelder and thou was a wench of mine, he cried, I'd give thee a hiding. He mounted another step threateningly, as if it were his energetic intention to jump down and deal with her. But as she came toward him, he evidently thought better of it and stood on the top step of his ladder, shaking his fist down at her. I never thought much of thee, he harangued. I couldn't abide thee the first time I set eyes on thee a scrawny, buttermilk-faced young besom, always asking questions and poking the nose where it wasn't wanted. If it hadn't have been for the robin, drat him. Ben Weatherstaff called out Mary, finding her breath. She stood below him and called up to him with a sort of gasp. Ben Weatherstaff, it was the robin who showed me the way. Then it did seem as if Ben really would scramble down on her side of the wall. He was so outraged. The young badden, he called down at her, lay in the badness on a robin, him showing thee the way. She could see his next words burst out because he was overpowered by curiosity. However is this the world that thou get in? It was the robin who showed me the way, she protested obstinately. He didn't know he was doing it, but he did. 
and I can't tell you from here while you're shaking your fist at me. He stopped shaking his fist very suddenly at that very moment, and his jaw actually dropped as he stared over her head at something he saw coming over the grass toward him. At the first sound of his torrent of words, Colin had been so surprised that he had only sat up and listened as if he were spellbound. But in the midst of it, he had recovered himself and beckoned imperiously to Dickon. Wheel me over there, he commanded. Wheel me quite close and stop right in front of him. And this, if you please, this is what Ben Weatherstaff beheld and which made his jaw drop. A wheeled chair with luxurious cushions and robes which came toward him looking rather like some sort of state coach because a young rajah leaned back in it with royal command in his great black-rimmed eyes and a thin white hand extended haughtily toward him. And it stopped right under Ben Weatherstaff's nose. It was really no wonder his mouth dropped open. Do you know who I am? demanded the Rajah. How Ben Weatherstaff stared. His red old eyes fixed themselves on what was before him as if he were seeing a ghost. He gazed and gazed and gulped a lump down his throat and did not say a word. Do you know who I am? demanded Colin still more imperiously. Answer! Ben Weatherstaff put his gnarled hand up and passed it over his eyes and over his forehead And then he did answer in a strange, shaky voice. Who thou art, he said. I, that I do, with the mother's eyes staring at me out of the face. Lord knows how thou come here, but thou art a poor cripple. Colin forgot that he had ever had a back. His face flushed scarlet, and he sat bolt upright. I'm not a cripple, he cried out furiously. I'm not. He's not, cried Mary, almost shouting up the wall in her fierce indignation. He's not got a lump as big as a pin. I looked and there was none there, not one. Ben Weatherstaff passed his hand over his forehead again and gazed as if he could never gaze enough. His hand shook and his mouth shook 
and his voice shook. He was an ignorant old man and a tactless old man, and he could only remember the things he had heard. There, there hasn't got a crooked back, he said hoarsely. No, shouted Colin. There, there hasn't got crooked legs, quavered Ben more hoarsely yet. It was too much. The strength which Colin usually threw into his tantrums rushed through him now in a new way. Never yet had he been accused of crooked legs, even in whispers, and the perfectly simple belief in their existence, which was revealed by Ben Weatherstaff's voice, was more than Rajah flesh and blood could endure. His anger and insulted pride made him forget everything but this one moment and filled him with a power he had never known before, an almost unnatural strength. Come here, he shouted to Dickon, and he actually began to tear the coverings off his lower limbs and disentangle himself. Come here. Come here, this minute. Dickon was by his side in a second. Mary caught her breath in a short gasp and felt herself turn pale. He can do it. He can do it. He can do it. He can. She gabbled over to herself under her breath as fast as she ever could. There was a brief, fierce scramble. The rugs were tossed on the ground. Dickon held Colin's arm. The thin legs were out. The thin feet were on the grass. Colin was standing upright, upright, as straight as an arrow, and looking strangely tall his head thrown back, and his strange eyes flashing lightning. Look at me, he flung up at Ben Weatherstaff. Just look at me, you. Just look at me. He's as straight as I am, cried Dickon. He's as straight as any lad in Yorkshire. What Ben Weatherstaff did, Mary thought queer beyond measure. He choked and gulped, and suddenly tears ran down his weather-wrinkled cheeks as he struck his old hands together. Ah, he burst forth. The lies folk tells. Thou'rt as thin as a lath and as white as a wraith but there's not a knob on thee. Thou'lt make a man yet. God bless thee. Dickon held Colin's arm strongly, 
but the boy had not begun to falter. He stood straighter and straighter and looked Ben Weatherstaff in the face. I'm your master, he said, when my father is away, and you are to obey me. This is my garden. Don't dare to say a word about it. You get down from that ladder and go out to the long walk, and Miss Mary will meet you and bring you here. I want to talk to you. We did not want you, but now you will have to be in on the secret. Be quick. Ben Weatherstaff's crabbed old face was still wet with that one queer rush of tears. It seemed as if he could not take his eyes from thin, straight Colin standing on his own feet with his head thrown back. Ah, lad, he almost whispered. Ah, my lad. And then remembering himself, he suddenly touched his hat, gardener fashion, and said, Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And obediently disappeared as he descended the ladder. Chapter 22 When the Sun Went Down When his head was out of sight, Colin turned to Mary. Go and meet him, he said. And Mary flew across the grass to the door under the ivy. Dickon was watching him with sharp eyes. There were scarlet spots on his cheeks, and he looked amazing, but he showed no signs of falling. I can stand, he said, and his head was still held up, and he said it quite grandly. I told thee thou could as soon as thou stopped being afraid, answered Dickon, and thou stopped. Yes, I've stopped, said Colin. Then suddenly he remembered something Mary had said. Are you making magic? he asked sharply. Dickon's curly mouth spread in a cheerful grin. Thou's doing magic thyself, he said. It's the same magic as made these air work out of the earth. And he touched with his thick boot a clump of crocuses in the grass. Colin looked down at them. Aye, he said slowly. There couldna be bigger magic than that there. There couldna be. He drew himself up straighter than ever. I'm going to walk to that tree, he said, pointing to one a few feet away from him. I'm going to be standing when Weatherstaff comes here. I can rest against the tree if I like. 
When I want to sit down, I will sit down, but not before. Bring a rug from the chair. He walked to the tree, and though Dickon held his arm, he was wonderfully steady. When he stood against the tree trunk, it was not too plain that he supported himself against it, and he still held himself so straight that he looked tall. When Ben Weatherstaff came through the door in the wall, he saw him standing there, and he heard Mary muttering something under her breath. What art saying? he asked rather testily because he did not want his attention distracted from the long, thin, straight boy figure and proud face. But she did not tell him. What she was saying was this. You can do it. You can do it. I told you you could. You can do it. You can do it. You can She was saying it to Colin because she wanted to make magic and keep him on his feet looking like that. She could not bear that he should give in before Ben Weatherstaff. He did not give in. She was uplifted by a sudden feeling that he looked quite beautiful in spite of his thinness. He fixed his eyes on Ben Weatherstaff in his funny, imperious way. Look at me, he commanded. Look at me all over. Am I a hunchback? Have I got crooked legs? Ben Weatherstaff had not quite got over his emotion, but he had recovered a little and answered almost in his usual way. Not thou, he said. Now to the sort. What's thou been doing with thyself? Hiding out and letting folk think thou was a cripple and half-witted? Half-witted? said Colin angrily. Who thought that? Lots of fools said Ben. The world's full of jackasses braying and they never brain out but lies. What did thou shut thyself up for? Everyone thought I was going to die, said Colin shortly. I'm not. And he said it with such decision. Ben Weatherstaff looked him over, up and down, down and up. Da, die, he said with a dry exultation. Not of the sort. Thou's got too much pluck in thee. When I see thee put the legs on the ground in such a hurry, I know thou was all right. Sit thee down on the rug a bit, young mister, and give me thy orders. There was a queer mixture of crabbed tenderness and shrewd understanding in his manner. 
Mary had poured out speech as rapidly as she could as they had come down the long walk. The chief thing to be remembered, she had told him, was that Colin was getting well. Getting well. The garden was doing it. No one must let him remember about having humps and dying. The Raja condescended to seat himself on a rug under the tree. What work do you do in the gardens, Weatherstaff? He inquired. Anything I'm told to do, answered old Ben. I'm kept on by favor because she liked me. She, answered Colin. Thou mother, answered Ben Weatherstaff. My mother, said Colin, and he looked about him quietly. This was her garden, wasn't it? Aye, it was that. And Ben Weatherstaff looked about him too. She were main fond of it. It is my garden now. I am fond of it. I shall come here every day, announced Colin. But it is to be a secret. My orders are that no one is to know that we come here. Dickon and my cousin have worked and made it come alive. I shall send for you sometimes to help, but you must come when no one can see you. Ben Weatherstaff's face twisted itself in a dry, old smile. I've come here before when no one saw me, he said. What? exclaimed Colin. When? The last time I was here, rubbing his chin and looking round, was about two years ago. But no one has been in it for ten years, cried Colin. There was no door. I'm no one, said old Ben dryly, and I didn't come through the door. I come over the wall. The rheumatics held me back the last two year. That come did a bit of prunin, cried Dickon. I couldn't make out how it had been done. She was so fond of it, she was, said Ben Weatherstaff slowly. And she was such a pretty young thing. She says to me once, Ben, says she laughing, if I ever am ill or I'll go away, you must take care of my roses. When she did go away, the orders was no one was ever to come nigh. But I come, with grumpy obstinacy. Over the wall I come, until the rheumatics stopped me, and I did a bit of work once a year. She'd gave her order first. It wouldn't have been as wick as it was if they hadn't done it, said Dickon. I did wonder. 
I'm glad you did it, Weatherstaff, said Colin. You'll know how to keep the secret. I, I'll know, sir, answered Ben. And it'll be easier for a man with rheumatics to come in at the door. On the grass near the tree, Mary had dropped her trowel. Colin stretched out his hand and took it up. An odd expression came into his face, and he began to scratch at the earth. His thin hand was weak enough, but presently, as they watched him, Mary, with quite breathless interest, he drove the end of the trowel into the soil and turned some over. You can do it, you can do it, said Mary to herself. I tell you, you can. Dickens' round eyes were full of eager curiousness, but he said not a word. Ben Weatherstaff looked on with interested face. Colin persevered. After he had turned a few trowelfuls of soil, he spoke exultantly to Dickon in his best Yorkshire. Thou said as thou'd have me walkin' about here same as other folk, and thou said thou'd have me diggin'. I thought thou was just leein' to please me. This is only the first day as I've walked. And here I am digging. Ben Weatherstaff's mouth fell open again when he heard him. But he ended by chuckling. Ah, he said, that sounds as if that got wits enough. Thou'rt a Yorkshire lad for sure. And thou'rt digging too. I'd like to plant a bit of something. I can get thee a rose in a pot. Go and get it, said Colin, digging excitedly. Quick, quick. It was done quickly enough indeed. Ben Weatherstaff went his way forgetting rheumatics. Dickon took his spade and dug the hole deeper and wider than a new digger with thin white hands could make it. Mary slipped out to run and bring back a watering can. When Dickon had deepened the hole, Colin went on turning the soft earth over and over. He looked up at the sky, flushed and glowing with the strangely new exercise, slight as it was. I want to do it before the sun goes quite, quite down, he said. 
Mary thought that perhaps the sun held back a few minutes just on purpose. Ben Weatherstaff brought the rose in its pot from the greenhouse. He hobbled over the grass as fast as he could. He had begun to be excited too. He knelt down by the hole and broke the pot from the mold.